how can we get as people more free as black people how can we get more free and that's telling the stories that we haven't seen that's telling the stories of the marginalized amongst us that's telling the stories where we are centered and see our full humanity that's focusing on our shit Welcome back to Deciphered, a series of conversations with creators from Africa and its diaspora who are leaning into their roots to create new spaces for all of us. I'm your host, Christabel Nsiabwadi. So how do you keep creating authentic content? And how do you establish a career, a creative career in your chosen field and continue to tell stories that are important to you? Today's guest, Felicia Pride, wrote on Queen Sugar and is currently a producer on Grey's Anatomy. I'll ask her how she tells stories about black women on mainstream TV and beyond. Hey, 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 welcome back to Deciphered. I am Christabel Insia Bwadi. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Felicia Pride is an award-winning filmmaker, TV writer, producer. She made her directorial debut on the widely acclaimed short film Tender, which I highly recommend that you watch people. And because again, anyone that I interview does way too much and all for an excellent cause, she runs the Create Daily, a resource for underrepresented storytellers. And she has a podcast called Child Please. I'll get her to say that in an accent that actually makes sense because it doesn't sound right in my ear with this London accent. Anyway, she hosts the show with Ivy Grant, a pleasure-seeking corporate strategist, which I love that title. I may have to get Ivy on the show to ask her about that too. Now, on the show, they share their perspectives on being women over 40. They talk about reproductive health, sensuality, and they really go there. They get honest and they get very, very, very vulnerable, something that we're huge fans of on this show. And for those of you who don't know Felicia, you'll find out that there's a common thread in all of the work that she does. And that is to tell stories about African-American women from a black female perspective, her perspective. So how did she build this career focusing on an area that's often called niche or something that, as some would say, something that doesn't have a large enough audience? Felicia, thank you very much for joining me on Deciphered. I'm really happy to have you on the show and excited to get into it. How are you doing? Well, thank you so much for that wonderful intro and thank you for this platform that you have to talk to creators. I love it. Oh, good. So, Felicia, you, this is going to be the third time that I say that, but I think you cannot say it enough times. You work in TV, you work in film. You've built a career telling authentic stories about Black women, and they're not easy stories. You really get into the vulnerability of it. I've seen it in Tender, and I've seen it in other works that you do. What is the value of telling these stories? Yeah, you know, um, well, thank you for that. But I think what it really is, is to be able to see us as Black women, because I write for Black people and Black women in my work, especially Black women in my work. And I think it's for us to see ourselves fully realized, to see ourselves yeah. in all of our glory in terms of messy, healthy, joyful, in pain, in love, not in love, you know, working on ourselves, trying to get back to our authentic selves. Because I think that in, in doing so, in seeing us fully realized like that, 
my hope is that it helps us to get more free in our lives. Like I, mm. it's very lofty goal, but I see this work as the potential to be freedom work. How can we be more free in our lives? So by seeing characters who are going for it, messing up, but going for it, I think could help us all get free. Mm. It's that messy part that I'm really drawn to. And I'm drawn to that because we are often not allowed to mess up. But in the work that you do, it's not just a case of messing up. It's messy. You get into the spaces, you get into the, you know, like the creases of it all. And you talk about the difficulties and you talk about the insecurities, you know, you don't talk about it, you show it in your work. And I think that's where a lot of the power lies. You see it in Tender and I won't give too much away, but, you know, the movie is around the relationship of two women and these were different generations. Mm-hmm. And they're speaking to each other in a way that I think even privately, sometimes we don't give ourselves permission to go there because, and I won't give too much away, it may feel for some people a little too taboo or again, too messy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's the mess. You you, you appear to be drawn to the mess, Felicia. <laughs> well, What's that I, about? You know, a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of my life was messy. You know what I mean? I feel like, you know, one of the reasons why Honey Child is dedicated to Black women 40 and over is because I feel like I didn't really start to get my stuff together until about 38 and a half. And even when I, and that's very specific, but even when I started to get my, <laughs> as I started to get myself together, you realize that this is just, life is just messy right? It's a messy journey. And I find that there's humanity in the mess, right? There is the ability to release shame when we can acknowledge and be aware of the mess. When we can see the mess, we can maybe sometimes sit in the mess. We can call out the mess. I feel like that's where we find our humanity. I agree, but I'm going to push back on you there. Not because I disagree. I think I agree with all of those things, but I don't think everyone can sit in the mess. I think oh, that's absolutely. It's very it's painful. It's very painful to sit in the mess. And that's why if we're able to show characters, right, on screen who are sitting in the mess, right, I feel like there may be some sort of connection that we can make in our own lives that, hey, maybe that's something that I can do or that there's value in sitting in the mess. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Honey Child. And can you say that one more time so that people can actually say what it sounds like? Yeah, Honey like Child. I mean, you know, there's one so many. <laughs> honey Child. You know, there's so many ways you might say child, child, please, child. Yeah. You know, there's so many mm-hmm. different, depending on. That's why I love the word and we love the word at Honey Child because it can mean so many things. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, honey child, before I got distracted by making you say <laughs> in all the different ways, <laughs> is your podcast <laughs> that you co-host with Ivy Grant, yes. right? And you you talked about the fact that it's aimed at women aged 40. So tell me about the inception of that. How did that come together? Yeah, you know, Ivy and I have been friends for quite a while and we've been trying to do things together. Ivy, you know, works in corporate America, but she is a, a natural born storyteller and is drawn to stories. Uh, And we wanted to start a podcast that would be fairly honest about the conversations that we have. So Ivy and I spend a lot of time shit talking. That's what we do. So essentially (laughs) we were like, can we, can we do this on a podcast? You know, but like those real conversations that we have about work, about love, about pleasure, about desire, one of the cornerstones of honey child in times in terms of the type of storytelling we want to do with desire and we define desire very broadly those things that black women want that mm. bump sometimes bumps up against the world right so desire is a big word for us so we wanted to be able to have a kind of 
open, honest, vulnerable, more on more vulnerable than I think we set out to be. <laughs> like sometimes we'd be like, okay. you know, you listen to the playback and it's like, ooh, am I telling? I'm really telling my business, you know, because that's also <laughs> some, something we're not supposed to do, or we're kind of some often raised to kind of keep those things inside, yes. particularly our parents' generation, right? So yes. again, I I also am like, we don't want to just talk about being vulnerable in the work. We actually want to be about being vulnerable in our lives. So that's mm. kind of what where child please comes from. And then have fun doing it. Mm. What's been the hardest part of doing the show for you then? Because this is this your first venture into podcasting? It is. You know, I really feel like audio has such huge opportunities for, for black people because of our relationship with audio and radio over history, you know, and I think that it's worry. Yeah. And story. And I think that it's wide open and there's still a lot of opportunity and it's much more accessible, right? Like I, it could take years to get a television show in the air or a film made, but we can start a podcast fairly immediately. So, and in terms of cost, it's much more accessible. So that really excites excites me but it's a huge learning curve you know it's a new business learning about what works marketing of podcasts audience all of that and so I think the biggest challenge is just the work <laughs> like it's, it's a lot of work as you know like I think people yes. because it seems so effortless it's a lot of work to put together a podcast gratefully we have a wonderful team the podcast is produced by Diane McGuire who's a honey um, and so we're really grateful to have a, a wonderful team to help pull it together all right, scroll back. You said that one of your producers is a honey. What's a honey? A honey is, that's how we call our audience. Uh, black women, 40 and over, we call them honeys. Hey, hey, I'm a honey. <laughs> yes, <laughs> honey, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's scroll back a little bit to your, your TV work, but really about your mission, right? You work in these spaces that seem really glamorous, where people see there's a lot of power, you know, and you, you have a platform to tell stories. What was that journey like, Felicia? How easy or how hard was it as a black woman dedicated to tell st- telling stories about black people working on ABC, which is a broad casting network? And I won't get into broadcasting and its definition and whether I agree with that or not, <laughs> but it's a quote unquote mainstream channel. Yeah. What was that journey like? Woo. I mean, because I I don't, it's hard to separate journeys, right? You know, I started my career almost 20 years ago as a freelance entertainment journalist. And so there's been a lot of iterations of the purpose, even when I didn't recognize the purpose, you know what I mean? Or I didn't know what the purpose was. There's been different iterations and I've been working in it for quite some time. So this new extension though was like, a, co- a complete career change, right? I moved to LA at 35 years old with one script. That script became what is now Really Love, which is streaming on Netflix. But I had to mm. learn a whole new business. I had to, you know, yes, I had so much sort of career experience and life experience that really aided me, but I still was starting, felt like starting from scratch in many ways. Um, and so that was a big risk that was a lot of required a lot of faith and persistence and telling myself you know you're on the right path it also required me to get closer to one sort of really uncover the purpose and to get closer to the work right because this business well we know first of all is racist as fuck right and it's nutty and sexist and all the things but it, sometimes you can get caught up 
in ego, you can get caught up in, in, in all that thing in all those things. So for me, I had to really establish a strong relationship with the work and the purpose. And the professional purpose for me is to tell the stories of Black people, especially Black women, and to make sure those stories get to the people and to help others do the same, right? So that helps to, helps me to stay grounded. That helps to give me a purpose above and beyond the business. That helps me to realize what's most important when things start to get a little fuzzy. So the purpose mm. was important to reconnect to. And also getting back to being a writer. I had stopped being a writer for nearly seven years years. And it Mm. was the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life to stop writing. Uh, But it was even harder to get, it was probably one of the harder things I had to do in my life was to get back to writing and to get back to my creative self. It's been very, very challenging. The great thing is my first break in a TV room was in Ava DuVernay's Queen Sugar, which was run by showrunner Anthony Sparks at the time. And it was the perfect first room. I turned 39 years old in that room. And it was the absolutely best, like one of the best jobs I've ever had because for the first time in all my 39 years, I was able to bring my whole full black 39 year old, you know, uh, grew up partly in Jersey, grew up partly in Baltimore, like hip hop, like all those things that sort of make me who I am. I was able to bring that full self into the room. I've never been able to do that in any professional capacity. Then on top of that was able to be on a show created by a black woman that centers black people and does not have to explain. Right. So in the room, we are having very nuanced conversations about blackness and black people and what we want to see. And that was such a, wonderful foundation that going into grays, I had just a lot of self-assuredness. I had still this sort of purpose that I'm able to fulfill outside of grays, but also have had opportunities to fulfill on grays. So yeah, that's been the journey. That's the long answer. (laughs) Mm, That's all right. You, I want to go back to something. You said that when you stopped writing, that was the biggest mistake. It was a big mistake. Why was it such a big mistake? You know, at the time I needed to get a job, which we often do as creators, right? And I should have got that job, but I should have kept writing because Mm. what happened was it really sort of disconnected me from the work in that way. It also psychologically, it kind of disconnected me to my creative self. Um, and it just took a lot to get back to that. It took a Mm. lot. (laughs) So I'm always like, get that job, but don't stop creating. You know what I mean? Like, don't do what I did because it was so difficult to get back. It really feels like what you're talking about there is that when you see, because when you were creative, it's it's about it's you. It's something that relates to who you are in your core. And so I think that's where a lot of people struggle, because at the same time, you have to make the business out of it because we live in the world and you still have to eat and pay the bills. And you have done such a good job from the outside looking in of doing that. You're sitting here talking to me about your your job, your career, where you get to create and be who you are. And you also create those spaces for other people through the work that you do, through your films, through your production company, through the podcast. So what 
did it take for you to start creating those spaces where you could bring your full self? You yeah. Because I mean? a lot of people who are listening to the show are are producing their own podcasts and trying to do what you do. So what did that look like? It took two major things. One, I actually had to divorce the business from everything, right? Because I had such a dysfunctional relationship with the work. I was blaming the work for not financially supporting me. That's not the job of the work, right? The work is sort of the creative fulfillment. The work is I have something to say. The work is I'm trying to be a vessel. I'm trying to be one representation on screen of my people. Like that's what the work is for. So I actually had to divorce the sort of financial that the work was supposed to take care of me. And it was a psychological shift. It was a small shift, but I needed to do it. Um, so I found odd jobs that would take care of the bills so that I could prioritize the creative work and also jobs that did not take a lot of creative capacity. And then two, I had to get in therapy. Like I saw, I still see and saw at that time a direct correlation between self-work and becoming better at my craft and doors opening mm. up for me because I was so disconnected from myself, you could tell on the page, right? So the more that mm. I was able to get into my trauma, processing my baggage, get into who I was, becoming closer to my authentic self, sit in my feelings, I was able to then better translate feelings onto, onto the page, right? How can you translate guilt and shame and anger if you're running from them, right? So I had to really do a lot of self-work therapy and get into it and lean into the vulnerability, lean into all those things that we are often scared of. Um, and that's when things started to open up because what happened was I started to become more confident. I started to become more self-assured and I started to show up like that on the page and in the room and people are attracted to that. Wow. So basically what you're saying is that in order to do the work and then sometimes get the work you have to do the work you have to do the work and that's why <laughs> I, you know you mentioned the podcast and us being vulnerable i don't want to just talk about being vulnerable i want to actually be vulnerable because it's part of the creative practice how has that been I've, I've listened to some well some of the episodes and i have laughed i have cringed <laughs> which is the point yes. i think right and i've kind of gone oh okay okay you know and at the time of this taping the last episode that um I listened to was your conversation with Nicole Perkins yes who I am a huge fan of that conversation blew me away because you went all the way back to the archives you went there making me feel old because <laughs> then you were talking about we are you know, honeys we are honeys or hopefully okay. we can all okay, become honey. honeys you know what I mean okay god willing okay, we honey. all become honeys <laughs> true true it's okay it's not something that I struggle with I'm, I'm here for it um and you went into the archives talking about black women in media history something that I'm always thinking about mm -hmm. that conversation I really enjoyed because then you really delved into colorism something that again people are beginning to talk about it but they talk about it with such awkwardness like this thing has never existed yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. and as a as a chocolate skinned black woman I'm like uh people it's always existed yes. so yes. that vulnerability that you bring brings a richness to this conversational show which at one point had me going is this like a would it be a self-care show would it be an entertainment show <laughs> I don't know what it would be but it's all of those things so did you feel when you started, you had a sense of what you wanted to talk about, but did you really know what you were going to be 
what you wanted to bring to the world? Um, I'm not sure if Ivy and I knew exactly. I think we knew we wanted to have these honest conversations about being 40 and over and or giving our perspective as honeys. Um, but I'm not sure we exactly knew. But again, everything's connected, right? To me, entertainment and the self-care are connected. It's part of the creative practice, right? So the vulnerability is part of the creative practice, all of that. There's connections there that I see. But yeah, I'm not sure if Ivy and I really knew that. And we're still figuring out, right? And I think that's the other part of the vulnerability is like, you know, this is a perspective in this moment of time, <laughs> which I'm very clear mm-hmm. of because I think people have the ability, hopefully, to, um, and that we give them space to change their minds. But also that being 40 and over does not mean you have everything figured out. And we want to be clear <laughs> about that. You know, we want to be mm. very clear about that. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of power in your process, right? As um, somebody who has like you worked in media for a long time and somebody who is a producer there is a tendency to feel like you have to know what you're doing like even when I'm doing my show or I'm putting my newsletter together I will torture myself because there wasn't a comma here Mm. or maybe I needed Mm. that extra piece of information or if the or even with the show if the script wasn't completed at the time of taping uh, for five minutes I'll be anxious and then I'll get into it and I can always hear it when I'm when I'm listening back to yeah, the show right yeah yeah but you guys have gone we're just gonna do it and <laughs> we're gonna see what happens that's interesting because it's kind of part of who I am in a little way like you know I started writing a screenplay almost 10 years ago had no idea how to write a screenplay um I had written mm. for years before that but I had never written a screenplay and I just jumped a screenplay you know what I mean then I was like I want to get this film made I had no idea how to get a film made uh, <laughs> But that film is now made. You know, I think sometimes we, it's all fear. It all manifests itself as fear, right? And I think it's about like, how do we work through the fear? One of the things my my therapist told me, you know, when we don't share our, you know, our brilliance with the world, we're denying the world our brilliance, right? When we're scared to show up, when we're scared to share, when we're scared to promote, when we're scared to tell people what we're doing, we're denying our brilliance to the world. So I think about that often, right? Like that we have these gifts that we were given, how are we using them, right? How are we using them in service of of the people? How are we using them? And how are we putting our ego aside to do that? And, you know, I think TV has also helped me. Uh, this is my showrunner, Anthony Sparks. You kind of, you do the best you can <laughs> in the moment because TV has to go. It's going to air. Mm. It's going to air. Mm. So that's also helped, I think, a little bit in terms of getting rid of the perfectionist even though I am one um and and with the making of tender I really welcome (laughs) but right but it's like I want to be proud of the work I did in the moment Mm. oh this is this is really really great I needed to hear this right now (laughs) (laughs) and and I know that there is somebody listening to the show right now going oh okay all right I'm just going to give it a shot you know you work in the image making business and you are and we we live in a time where everyone's creating images we see a lot of images of black women all the time. And I'm thinking in particular about the, the back and forth with Jane Campion. Is it Jane? Oh Campion? yeah. And what she said about the Williams sisters and then her apology, non-apology and other situations like that. I think it's easy to get distracted when people say stuff because it'll take us back to that place of what and, and defense. How do you react to situations like that? Not just in terms of what she said, but when you get distracted by the, well, you know. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, I always hold tight to that Toni Morrison quote about racism being a distraction, right? It's a huge distraction. Yeah. And at Ivy and I had a, a, a episode, I think the third episode, where we talk about, you know, the, the things that we lose when having to combat racism, right? The time, the potential, all the things that we lose. So I try to focus on, in my work even, not racism as a character, but racism as context, right? And the fact that despite it all, we are still fully realized, complicated people. And I want to focus on the humanity of Black people, not the people and processes and systems that are trying to strip that humanity. Because they always going to be there, in my opinion. <laughs> like, they ain't going nowhere. They've been here forever. And yet, and still, we, ha- we are the, you know, in a Serena Williams case, the greatest athlete of all time. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yet and still, you know, and that's the story I want to hear about. I don't want to hear about Jane. I want to hear about how Serena became the greatest athlete of all time. Do you know? So those uh-huh. are how that's kind of the perspective that I take is like, even as they continue to like call us out our name, even as they continue to try to strip away our greatness, I want to be at the forefront of telling the story about the greatness and also the woman behind the greatness. I want to know what Uh Serena likes to do for fun. I want to know what makes Serena laugh. Like those are the stories that I want to tell. Basically, and I've been saying this a lot to people and if I can, I might trademark this. (laughs) It's just like, just tell the story. Just tell the story. It's really that simple, right? It's, It's not that complicated, but we make it so because I think the simple work is is very difficult to do because we have to face the truth of it all and the messiness of it all. Yeah, and then we're just so used to this, this world is so used to appealing to a specific gaze, right? A white gaze that sometimes it's hard to shift the spotlight onto ourselves. But that's mm. what I'm interested in, like the spotlight on ourselves for ourselves um, because mm-hmm. I'm interested again in how can we get as as people more free, as Black people, mm-hmm. how can we get more free? And that's telling the stories that we haven't seen. That's telling the stories of the marginalized amongst us. That's telling mm-hmm. the stories where we are centered and see our full humanity. That's focusing on our shit. Is how I, mm-hmm. that, that's literally what I'm about. Right, exactly. What's been the reaction to the podcast thus far in the US and from the diaspora? Because, you know, I'm also talking to, to folks... Um, elsewhere elsewhere she says i live in the united (laughs) states that's why i said that (laughs) so far it's actually been you know it's so interesting when you put out work because it can make you very it's it can be very as you know very nerve-wracking when you put out work but so far the reaction the reception has been great you know we're learning from it of course and there are things that we, we we've already taped our first season so things that we want to consider for second season and what we can do differently. We're definitely using this as a way to learn as well, right? As a a way to learn and test. But so far, so good. There've been people who are not honeys who have found value in it, which is wonderful. Um, I'm always of the, of the impression that you create for a very specific audience and welcome and be happy with other people uh, come along, um, but it's not necessary, <laughs> you know. So um, very grateful that people beyond honeys are seeing value in it. Um, we're having a lot of fun as well, um, and it's helping us to, I think, sort of establish what we, w- the type of work we want to be doing at Honey Child. 
Ooh, what's that? <laughs> Work that connects the vulnerability, that connects the fun, that connects the humanity, that connects the issues, right? That connects mm. the trauma. I'm not one of those who thinks that we cannot tell stories about trauma, but there needs to be the full life of it. Because as Black people, we have experienced trauma. We continue to process and release trauma, but we also love, have sex, laugh, work, dream, all at the same time. So those are the mm. stories that I'm interested in. I love it. Felicia, thank you so much for your time. This was a lovely, lovely, lovely conversation. Thank you for having me. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure. Felicia Pride is an award-winning filmmaker, writer, and producer. She is also the co-host of Child, Please. Child, Please. Child, Please. Child, Please. Child, Please. Woo! <laughs> with ivy grant you can follow her and the show on instagram and twitter felicia pride is at felicia pride mm -hmm. on both and it's it's honey child on both as yes. well go to the cyphers website find out all the ways to connect with her and the honey child team beyond that thank you so much this is great thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Felicia Pride, the co-host of the podcast, Child Please, founder of the production company, Honey Child, and the founder of The Create Daily. You can listen to Child Please and this show, Deciphered, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Remember, like and subscribe the Deciphered podcast and tell your friends to do the same. Deciphered is the partner podcast to The Cypher newsletter. Sign up to discover more great podcasts from Africa and the diaspora and get production tips from industry pros through our website. Visit us at the-cypher.com. Tess Goodwin edited the show and I, Christopher Lincia Bwadi, executive produced and hosted it. Thank you for joining me and I'll see you next time. Deciphered is a Maya Lens Media production. <laughs>